The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 32, of the state of men after death and of the resurrection of the dead. Paragraph 1. The bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption, but their souls, which neither die nor sleep, having an immortal subsistence, immediately return to God who gave them. The souls of the righteous, being then made perfect in holiness, are received into the highest heavens where they behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. And the souls of the wicked are cast into hell, where they remain in torments and utter darkness, reserved to the judgment of the great day. Beside these two places, for souls separated from their bodies, the scripture acknowledges none. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 93 of This We Confess. If church censures and church government seemed a little bit dry and dusty for your taste, then chapter 32 speaks of an issue that should be of tremendous interest to everyone in this world. If you have ever asked, what happens when I die, or wondered if heaven is a place where you will float about on a cloud forever, then this chapter addresses those concerns. It is titled, Of the State of Man After Death and of the Resurrection of the Dead. And weighty subjects are addressed comprehensively in three paragraphs. The Westminster Divines waste no time and they jump straight into a statement about what happens to our bodies when we breathe our last. They state, The bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption. Now, we don't like to talk about this anymore, and most of us don't want to think about it, but it is absolutely true. When death comes, our bodies are placed into the ground where they will waste away and they will see corruption. I am told that, depending on various factors, a body placed in the soul of the earth would usually take up to 12 years to fully decompose. A body placed in a coffin takes longer still. And I'm sure we have been to many funerals over the years and probably we will have given no consideration to the process of decomposition under the earth. But it is going on and the dead return to dust and they see corruption in the grave. This isn't a surprise biblically. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, the Lord God said to Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground 
For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the Apostle Paul once proclaimed in Acts 13 and verse 36, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. So the human body does not and cannot last forever. And we see evidence of its corruption in this life as we slow down, as we forget, as we are ravaged by illness. And that corruption does not stop when it comes to the grave. From dust we came, and dust we shall return. For many, that is a summary of the hopelessness of life. Many will say, life is short, and so you may as well make the most out of it because you are a long time dead. Others will tell you to spend your money because you can't take any of it with you. And whilst there is a certain measure of truth in both of these statements, the Christian hope is that death is not the end. The Westminster Divines continue by reminding us that humans are both body and soul. And when we are visited by death, our bodies are placed in the ground, but our souls leave our earthly body. And we've already heard about the human soul in our confession. In chapter 4 of the Confession of Faith, entitled Of Creation, and in paragraph 2, the Westminster Divines would state, After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, with reasonable and immortal souls, endued with knowledge, righteousness and true holiness, after his own image. Well, what do we mean when we say that humans have reasonable and immortal souls? Our souls are reasonable in that the Lord has blessed humanity with the ability to think and to reason. I love my little dog, but she doesn't look up at the stars at night and wonder if she is alone in the universe. She doesn't care if the gospel is preached or not. She has no regard over her eternal destination. The state of the world is of no importance to her. All she cares about is when the fridge door will next be opened. Humanity, however, have reasonable souls. We do gaze to the heavens and wonder about our place in the universe. We are brought to tears by beauty and art done in music. Humanity alone is made in God's image and have been given reasonable souls. In the same way, our souls are immortal in that they cannot die. The Lord brings us into existence and the Lord is the only one who can kill both body and soul. It doesn't matter if your body dies at sea. It doesn't matter if your body dies on Mars or late one night in the comfort of your own bed. Whenever and wherever your body meets its end, your soul certainly won't. Your soul is both reasonable and it is immortal. So humanity is unique in creation in that they have been gifted by God reasonable and immortal souls. And so after physical death, these immortal and reasonable souls must go somewhere. The Westminster Divines are clear on what doesn't happen to these immortal and reasonable souls. Firstly, they stress the immortality of the soul. They say that souls cannot die. 
your soul does not cease to be. It doesn't just drift off into the ether and eventually disappear. And just as the soul doesn't die, so too it doesn't sleep. There are those who argue this very point and make the case for something called soul sleep, where your soul drifts off into sleep, waiting for the day of Christ's return. The Westminster divines deny both death and sleep of the soul, and instead they confess that the immortal soul of man immediately returns to the Lord, who is the one who gave the soul in the first place. We see this in the promise of Christ to the dying thief at Calvary. In Luke 23 and verse 43, Jesus promises the thief, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief is not told that he will sleep until the return of Christ, nor is the thief told that his soul will die. Instead, Jesus promises that today, this day, you will be with me in the place called paradise. The body of this nameless dying thief was no doubt placed in a tomb or a grave, and it is there to this very day, the body long decomposed. But from that glorious day at Calvary to this, the dying thief, his soul, went to be with Jesus in glory. The body may die and waste away, but the soul of humanity cannot die. The body is dust and returns to the earth as it was, but the spirit returns to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7. This, at first glance, is wonderful news. The souls of humanity go to be with the Lord after death. Great, wonderful, absolutely fantastic, we might say. Everybody gets to go to heaven. Well, not quite. The souls of humanity all go to the Lord, say the divines, but they don't all go to the same place. The Westminster divines carefully distinguish between the souls of the Christian and the souls of the Christ rejecter. The righteous individual is one who has received Christ as Saviour, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Such a person does not deserve salvation, but by the grace of God they have heard the gospel and they have received it in repentance and faith. When a Christian dies, their soul is made perfect in holiness. In other words, it is cleansed from sin. It is made perfect in the sight of Almighty God. It is fitted for heaven and to be in the presence of Christ. The Christian's body may decompose in the grave, but the Christian's soul goes to heaven where they get to behold the face of Almighty God. The Christian dwells in light and glory and majesty, and the Christian waits in perfect bliss for the resurrection of their body. This is what we call the intermediate state. We'll discuss the final state in future episodes, but any Christian who dies before the return of Christ can expect their soul to be made perfect and to be with Christ in heavenly glory. The apostle would say that we have not come to what can be touched, but instead we have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous 
made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. And Paul would say something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then later in Philippians 1 and verse 23, Paul would state, I am hard pressed between the two, that is, life and death. But my desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is better by far. The Christian's body will die and be placed in the tomb. But the Christian's soul cannot die. It is made perfect, and at the Christian's death, their soul goes to be with Jesus. The Christian, therefore, has every reason to hope for and to expect something much better than anything that this life has to offer. There is no one today disappointed in heaven, no one there who wishes that they had not suffered for Christ's sake. When a Christian dies once more, their soul goes to be with Jesus, which is better by far. However, this is not the case for the one who remains in their sin. Sometimes at funerals, I am told that the deceased individual had no time for Christ, no time for the church, but they are certainly in heaven right now. It's better for that deceased person, I'm told, there's no more suffering where he is. My friends, please be sure about these things today. Death is not better for the unrepentant sinner. Just as the soul of the righteous individual goes to the Lord and glory, so the soul of the wicked goes to the Lord, who then casts it into hell. There is no peace and no bliss and no rest for the unrepentant sinner. In hell they have their own intermediate state, and one which is filled with darkness and torment. The sinner who will not believe will have plenty of time to consider their miserable condition. They will stay in hell until the day of judgment comes. There will be no second chances in hell. Those who have died in sin will remain in sin, those whose ears were shut in life to the gospel, well, those ears will remain shut in hell. No one in that awful place will consider Christ. No one there will call upon him. Instead, they will remain in their fierce opposition to Jesus. And in the torment and suffering of hell, they will only grow more resolute in their hatred of Christ the King. In Luke chapter 16, the Lord Jesus Christ would tell a story about hell about a poor man who would go to heaven and about a rich man who would go to hell. The rich man in hell, in torment, lifted up his eyes and saw Father Abraham far off and the poor man Lazarus at his side. And so the rich man called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me 
and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Here in a very graphic picture, the Lord shows us the anguish and torment of hell. Earthly riches are of no benefit to you if you go to death as a Christ rejecter. And in the book of Jude, we're told that the angels as well, who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, the Lord has kept them in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Both fallen angel and unrepentant sinner will know the torment of that place called hell. Hell and the punishment of the wicked is not a cheery or popular subject, but it is a necessary one. I have little idea about who listens to this podcast or their spiritual condition, but God knows. My friend, if you have somehow come across this episode and yet you are an individual who has turned their back on Christ, may the torments of hell cause you to flee to Jesus. He remains the saviour and friend of sinners, ready, willing and able to save all of those who come to him in repentance and faith. Today I beg you to hear the gospel, that Christ Jesus died for sin and was raised for our justification. Please, I ask you to listen to this good news, to understand your sin and your wretched condition. Acknowledge that even now your body is growing weaker and weaker. Death will surely visit you, and then you will know the torments of hell. I call upon you to repent and to believe the gospel, and you will be saved. The righteous soul will spend the time between death and the return of Christ in heaven. The wicked soul will spend that same time in the place called hell. As the paragraph ends, the Westminster Divines make one last statement. Besides these two places, heaven and hell, for souls separated from their bodies, the scripture acknowledges none. As Reformed Christians, therefore, we do not believe in alternative destinations for souls separated from their bodies. We do not believe, for example, in the place called purgatory, which is seen as some sort of in-between location for the dead. There are not three or four places. There are only two. You cannot be prayed out of hell into heaven. You cannot be prayed out of purgatory into heaven. There is only heaven and hell, and you will certainly see one of them. But thanks be to God today for salvation. Thanks be to God for the gospel. No one deserves to see the glory of heaven, but through faith in Christ, a multitude certainly will. Those who are born twice, physically and spiritually, will die only once. And for those who are in Christ, this earth is the only hell that we will ever know. As always, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. What do the Westminster Divines mean when they say that our body returns to dust and will see corruption? 
Question 2. What doesn't happen to a soul when someone dies? Question 3. The souls of the righteous and the wicked both return to the Lord after death, but they don't abide in the same place. What should be the expectations of the Christian and the Christ rejecter after death? Question 4. What do we mean by the intermediate state? And question 5. Are heaven and hell the only possible locations for a disembodied soul? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn. And until next time, this we confess. Thank you.